Hi everyone and welcome to SAMA. SAMA is a program where we invite an expert to talk about their area of expertise. This week we are delighted to have Aura Miller as our guest expert. The subject is electromagnetic fields, which are EMFs, the hidden dangers in your home. Aurum is a certified building biology environmental consultant and electromagnetic radiation specialist based in Los Angeles, where it's raining at the moment. He provides on-site healthy home and office EMF evaluations for clients throughout Southern California who have electromagnetic sensitivities, as well as those who want a healthier home or office. Aurum is the Director of Learning and Development for the Institute for Biology and Ecology. He serves as a teaching assistant and is involved in curriculum development for the basic and advanced EMR seminars taught by the Institute. He founded and oversees an apprenticeship program for EMR students within the profession. He also serves on several committees for the Institute. Oren produces and is host of a webinar series for the Green Home Institute entitled Reducing Occupant Exposure to EMFs in Residential Construction. He is the co-author of Breathing Walls, featuring protocols for the design of a healthy new or remodeled home without mold or chemical outgassing. I could go on all day. Oren consults on the healthy design and construction of new and remodeled homes. He's done extensive research on EMFs. The expert we have today, welcome to our show, Oram. Thank you, John. Thank you for, and thank you to Nick as well for inviting me, both of you. Oram, it's, um, how did you get involved with EMFs and the research that's, in, that's related to the EMF? Well, I've been a building biologist for many years, and uh, in the beginning, I did the full scope of the building biology work, which involves um, the third skin. This is the first skin, this is the second skin, the home, the built environment that we live and work in is the third skin. This profession was developed by Anton Schneider and a group of um, um, builders and physicians in Germany um, as the rebuilding, the rapid rebuilding of the housing stock in uh, Germany after World War II produced some uh, problems uh, that they didn't have before with the construction that they'd had for many hundreds and thousands of years. The problems were chemical outgassing, the accumulation of outgassing of, of um, materials from the new construction materials that they were using, uh, as well as mold and electromagnetic fields. And this was recognized by certain uh, forward-thinking people, architects, builders, and people who were sensitive to these fields. So they formed uh, a profession that is very active today in uh, Europe and the rest of the world. Uh, the Bau Biologie profession, Bau is the German word for building, and Biologie is their pronunciation of the English word biology. So one of their graduates, an architect by the name of Helmut Zia, brought that knowledge from Germany to uh, the United States 30 years ago. He passed away a few years ago of a stroke, but he founded a North American branch for the U.S. and Canada of this profession that has graduated hundreds of people um, including people from all over the world who come and study here. And I'm a graduate of that program. So I did the full scope of our work. We go into people's homes and we evaluate homes for sources of toxicity. And that includes indoor air quality, mold, chemical outgassing, natural gas, lead, asbestos, radon, carbon monoxide, as well as building materials for new and remodeled homes. 
so that these outgassing uh, problems don't develop, and then electromagnetic fields. Now, about eight year, nine years ago, I moved from uh, Minneapolis to Los Angeles, California, and decided that I wanted a warmer climate, number one. And number two, I, I really didn't like mold as much as others do in my profession, but I loved EMFs. So when I moved here nine years ago, I decided to just do EMFs, and I, I refer people to experts in the area for mold and chemical outgassing work. And I'm one of the busiest building biologists in the country just doing uh, evaluations uh, six days a week uh, for EMFs. And I will tell you uh, what those are if, you, if you'd like to know what those EMFs are. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So in the building biology profession, I know there are a lot of um, well, let me start with what most people are familiar with who go to websites that talk about uh, electromagnetic fields. That's what EMF stands for, electromagnetic fields. So there are two of them, electric fields and magnetic fields. And we'll get to that in a moment. Okay. What most people are aware of when they go to websites and read about EMFs are, in no particular order, dirty electricity with Stetzer uh, filters and Stetzer meters. Uh, and then the second would be chips and pendants that you can put on your cell phone to stick them on the back of your cell phone so that you can reduce the EMF, the harm that EMFs cause to your body. The third would be uh, earthing mats that you can put on your bed and then ground them to the outside or to the ground in the outlet and bring all the beneficial effects of bringing ions from the earth negatively charged ions up into your body because we're very depleted of negative ions. And that's a very good philosophy and, and we support that. Uh, and then the last would be uh, all the radio frequency uh, uh, devices, wireless devices, uh, particularly smart meters, smart electric meters, water meters and gas meters, and then 5G, which is fifth generation cell technology. Those are the four things that most people are aware of. So we have, as I mentioned, uh, dirty electricity. We have, uh, we have um, the radio frequency issues. Then we have the chips and pendants and then home harmonizers and then earthing mats. We uh, have four ourselves and we overlap in terms of dirty electricity and radio frequencies. But we have two more that we talk about, which are electric fields and magnetic fields, which I'll go into because most of your listeners and viewers probably don't know about them and they're very important. We do have a uh, position on um, chips and pendants uh, and we also have a position on earthing mats and that is that they're both good. They're both beneficial. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, we very much support the use of earthing mats. Uh, they're, they're very helpful. I use one myself, I've used it for years. Uh, when Clint Ober who developed them spoke to our profession five, six years ago, he gave those of us who were in the seminar um, uh, a, an earthing mat for our bed. And I've been using it ever since and I love it. Uh, I recommend it to my clients. So that's a very good thing to use. Then for the chips and pendants, <clears throat> our uh, approach is if it works for you, great. We recommend that you, that we recommend all things that help people to improve with these EMFs, uh, the evaluation and, and mitigation of EMFs, including chips and pendants. What we would say is, Generally speaking, we recommend that people find the sources of EMFs if they can, both in the home and outside the home. Uh, I explained that EMFs, um, the, the, the building biology profession, my profession recognizes four sources of EMFs. That would be 
magnetic fields from house wiring and outside wiring or power lines, electric fields from house wiring. Uh, those are two things that most people in the, e in the EMF community need to know more about, uh, in our opinion. And, and there's so many things to learn and so many people are affected by, by all of this. Uh, and they're doing the very best that they can. We're not being critical at all. We're just uh, adding this knowledge that we have been focusing on for several decades to add to all the good work that's uh, being done by people for smart meters and fifth generation uh, cell technology or 5G as it's known, uh, and earthing mats and uh, uh, chips and pendants. So um, so did you get all that? Uh, did I? Did you yes. Okay, good. Yes. So, uh, so I was mentioning that in our opinion, the chips and pendants have a value. And in fact, I have to admit some of the engineers in my profession, some of my colleagues who uh, may, maybe don't think outside the box quite as much as the rest of us do, and they're just going by what they can measure with their meters, you know, with a radio frequency detector or a, a magnetic or electric field detector. And when, when people use one of these chips or pendants, they don't uh, measure any reduction in the EMF that they can measure when you put a chip on the back of your phone. It still transmits. But what the, the manufacturers wisely say is the way that those chips and pendants work is they create some zone of coherence around them that changes the way the human physiology reacts to the harmful influence from the cell phone. And we, I, I don't, there's a lot of, interest in learning how that happens and why it happens. But I will say, I've just been noticing that there's this huge number of products that are in that category of subtle energy devices that are available now and, and work well. A lot of people uh, uh, feel better, they benefit from them. We recommend a, a joint approach. Using those, um, those products, particularly when you go outside the house, but in your own home and, and business, to the degree that you can control the business or the home. Some people rent and they can't do as much as you can if you own your home. But to the degree that you can over uh, look over what's in the home and make changes, that's the degree that we recommend that people find the sources. And the analogy that I was making um, was that if you have a room with four or five ashtrays with burning cigarettes filling the room with smoke, you can get an air purifier and plug it in and it will reduce the smoke. But you can also look for the ashrays and reduce those. And I, I think that's common sense. Anybody who makes and sells and promotes these uh, chips and pendants would agree with what I just said. So we focus on the, on the ashrays. We teach our students, I'm part of the faculty um, at the Building Biology Institute, we, for the electromagnetic radiation or EMR seminars, beginning entry level and the advanced, we teach our students to find the sources of magnetic fields, electric fields, radio frequencies, and dirty electricity. So, right. um, so everyone knows about um, Wi-Fi and cell phones, and we could, we'll talk about that. But I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the other things that most people don't know about, which are magnetic and electric fields, if I may. Sure. So magnetic fields come from four sources. And magnetic fields are the... Um, the invisible, everything is invisible. All the fields that I'm talking about are invisible. Um, when you have current flowing down a wire, so this is the, the hot wire of a circuit. This is a plastic, non-metallic Romex circuit. And this is the hot wire. So 
current would go into this hot wire at the breaker panel and go through the circuit to a light bulb over here. We want to be sure that, that we honor the very good work that uh, people have been doing over the years developing these technologies and, and, and diving into some very interesting uh, directions and, and, and paradigms that re we really haven't explored up till now, and that is um, these uh, uh, quantum level effects. So the way that these chips and pendants work is when you um, put them on the phone or on your body in a, a pendant or uh, on your finger, they help nullify or reduce the impact that these technologies have on, on the physiology. And that's demonstrated by less DNA damage in experiments with laboratory animals where they have two cages with cell phones on top, one with a chip and the other one without. These rats had less DNA damage than the ones over here because they were, there was a chip in this phone. Uh, secondly, there's something called thermography, which is a, a way of uh, measuring the heat in the tissues. So you'll see an image of the head, and if there's a phone here, a cell phone here, like this, then you'll see red and orange and yellow in, in the, the tissues in here near this phone or wherever you put it. I mean, a woman could put it here, or people put it in their back pocket, or a, you know, a man can put it in his pocket, and they'll, they'll, you're seeing hip dysplasia and hip replacement surgery on the side that men and women put their cell phone in their pocket. Um, so anyway, when you put a chip on the phone, you have blues and greens, um, which is the cool temperature that the body normally is. You don't see the elevation in the body, even though the phone is still there. Uh, and then lastly, um, the, the red blood cells are slippery. They slide on each other uh, in, in the bloodstream. And you can see this with live blood cell analysis. However, when you put a phone next to the head or body, then the slipperiness goes away and these uh, red blood cells uh, show signs of stress or duress and they start to stack in what's known as rouleau formation, which is a French word that means stacking of coins. Uh, and when you put a chip on the phone, they start to free up again. They start to slide on each other, and, and, and it's a sign of return of oxygenation, whereas the Rouleau formation, the stickiness, is a sign of deoxygenation, and you don't uh, oxygenate the cells as well. So these are all the things that I know of that I've read about, and, and thousands of testimonials of people who feel better using the chips. We would say, <laughs> knowing what we know, fine, it's fine to do that, but at the same time, we would recommend that people find the sources of uh, toxicity in the home, whether it's outgassing or, or choosing low volatile organic or VOC paints and varnishes. When you do paint, and, and we recommend solid surface flooring instead of carpeting and all of that. And then for EMFs, we recommend that you hardwire your, um, your internet connection in your home. So when we go into a home and we talk to our clients, and I spend six or eight hours with a client. And the first hour I sit down with them and I go over what EMFs are, where they come from, how they affect your health and what we do about them and what other countries uh, say about this, because we don't hear much, you don't hear much about this in the United States or Canada, but the rest of the world, all over the rest of the world, they do know about this and they're taking action. So good for you. Uh, those of you who don't live in the US, you know what I'm talking about. But those of you who do live in the US, you don't know about this. In fact, you hear the opposite. So that's a whole other political layer to this whole issue. But 
we recommend that people pay attention to this because uh, research shows that 100% of the cells close to the um, a phone that you put next to your head, 100% um, of the cells, according to Martin Blank, who has passed away recently of a stroke, uh, unfortunately, and Martin Paul, Martin Blank was a PhD at Columbia University in New York, and I heard him speak several times, wonderful man. He told us, I, he was a skeptic until he did his own research and found DNA fragmentation. Um, and then uh, Martin Blank, the other Martin, he's uh, at the other side of the U.S. at uh, Washington State University, just north of Portland, Oregon. He has done testing showing the changes with low levels of EMF exposure from radio waves, especially, and magnetic fields and electric fields, uh, interfering with what is known as cal voltage-gated calcium channel metabolism. And, and so we have calcium channels on the surface of all of our cells, and, so, and there are voltage gates within them that uh, are the way that cells communicate with each other. And if you disrupt that, which is what happens with very low levels of exposure of these devices at close range, you seriously interfere with the functioning of the physiology. There's an excellent video that talks about this, Generation Zapped, made by a filmmaker here in Los Angeles, uh, Sabine El-Jamael, originally from Lebanon and France, um, lives here um, and with her family. And uh, she's a client of mine. And she had me come to her home and to her uh, the school where her, some of her children attend. And, and I educated her about this. And then she said, I'm a filmmaker and a documentary filmmaker, and I've seen the documentaries that have been done on this. This is a conversation she and I had four years ago, right after I evaluated her home. And she said, we need to do a Hollywood quality film on this. And she wasn't criticizing the documentaries that have been done up to that point, but she said, I can do that. I have that ability, but I need the funding and I don't know who to ask. I don't know who to interview. So I, gave, I said, I can't help you with the funding, but I can give you the names of people to interview. So I gave her a whole long list of people to, to interview in the field, in the profession, uh, I mean, in and outside the building biology profession, but in the community, the EMF community. And she spent the next three years crowdsourcing her film and going around the world and interviewing these people. And that resulted in the movie Generation Zapped. And go to generationzapped.com, I believe, and watch the trailer. And you can, uh, you can rent it. You can stream it for $4. Show it to your friends. Show it to your husband, your skeptical husband. Watch it yourself. Show it to your teenagers. And learn about this because uh, it's eye-opening um, what we don't know, what we're not being told. The researchers around the world are calling this the, cigarette, the tobacco of our modern age because the same trends have occurred over the decades. So back 40, 50, 60 years ago, we had tobacco. We had asbestos. We had uh, uh, GMOs are more current. We had um, lead in gasoline. And what I'm, do what I'm indicating here is over the course of two, three, four decades, the people got, um, at first industry said, there's no harm. There's no evidence of harm. And yes, there, there was. And they, they redacted the, the studies that were done that the government did. And the, and the government uh, career scientists said, I found pro uh, problems. I found a connection. But they changed what I wrote when they published it. The guys at the top were the political appointees who came from industry. You know how that works. Uh, that's rampant here in the United States. And so, so industry says there's no harm here, and yet they know that there is in their internal documents. I know that. I have people who I know who who told me this. And George Carlo uh, um, blew the lid off of all this some years ago, and 
when he was a keynote speaker for our uh, annual, uh, every other year we have a, a conference and he was our keynote speaker in 2008. He told us what happened to him on the inside there. And if you want to read about George Carlo, go to this, The Nation magazine, this article on The Nation magazine. I don't have it in front of me, but the name of the article is what, um, how the cell phone industry convinced us that cell phones, using cell phones are safe. And then it was a one-year investigative study by these two journalists. Uh, it's it's eye-opening. And then I have that on my website, www.createhealthyhomes.com. It's in the recent EMF news. And when you go to that link, right beneath that, the next item is the coverage of that article when it came out last March in 2018. And one of the authors, Mark Hertzgard, was interviewed by Amy Goodman on Democracy Now!, that interview, that video interview on her show, plus what happened after the show ended and he kept talking, they kept recording the interview, it's online, you can see it. And he talks about what happened to George Carlo, how he did the research, he told us himself. He said that he was hired by, when he was up in Columbia University in 1992 or three, at the beginning of the Clinton administration, and the, his friend, the Assistant Secretary of Health Education and Welfare in Washington, D.C., called him up and said, this is what George told us, he said that this man said the cell phone industry wanted to do a seven-year, $28 million study to prove cell phones were safe. And, and they wanted um, the government, the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, to, uh, which is what it was called at the time, to co-sponsor uh, that research. And, they wanted, and so this man wanted George Carlo to run the study. And George said, I know where this is going. I don't want to be a part of it. Thanks, but no thanks. Talk to you later. So he said a month later, the man called again and said, we're moving ahead with this study. We don't want anyone else to run it but you. Will you reconsider? And he did. Uh, and he, he funded, uh, excuse me, he, he ran the study for seven years. But he, he came to the conclusion, and he told us the details. He spent several hours going over this with a flip chart. He said, this is what I found. This is what happens to the membrane of the cells when you have a cell phone near your head or near your body. He said that the, the membrane has portals that allow uh, uh, nutrients to come in and waste products to get out. And, and those portals will close down when the cilia, which are these hair-like projections that emerge from the surface of all cells, except for the ones in the digestive tract, um, that line the digestive tract, those, the cilia monitor the environment. And in the presence of these low-frequency information-carrying radio waves, not the thermal waves that are at, at higher um, uh, uh, intensity levels, higher, higher radio frequency strengths, but at low levels, the biological effects that occur from the low frequency information carrying radio waves, cause the cilia pick that up of every cell in close proximity within a foot or so and more, uh, and, and alert the cell to, to stop what it's doing, so that, so that freezes the activity in the tissue, and go into a, a locked down mode, which shuts off these portals. And so nutrients don't get in, waste products don't get out. And there's a Froehlich effect that occurs from the messenger RNA near the surface of the cell into the cytoplasm. And the messenger RNA and the, and the ribosomal RNA uh, are, are affected by this. And the DNA is affected in the cell nucleus, the, the, the mitochondria, the, the, the functioning of the mitochondria and the cell cytoplasm is affected. All of this is affected. And if the cell is less than half its age, it will go into... Uh, forced cell division, division called mitosis. But the disadvantage is the cells, the daughter cells have the disadvantage that their, their open mode, their relaxed mode is a lockdown mode. This is what he told us, happens as a result of this. If the cells are more than half their age, they can't divide, they're too old to divide, they go into apoptosis. They just 
divide, they just rupture. And so it, either way, the tissues suffer. The macroorganism suffers. And this is all happening at, on biological levels, at levels much lower than what the Federal Communications Commission says is safe, which is one milliwatt per square centimeter or a 10 million microwatts per square meter. So I wow. describe all this in, the, um, in my article on my website. You go to articles on EMFs, and then you click on the article on radio frequencies, and you'll read all about this. So, um, and this is discussed in great detail in Sabine's excellent documentary, and there are other wonderful documentaries as well. It's not the only one, but Generations After is a good place to start. There are others. Uh, and so I could go on and on about the harm of this, but what everyone who's watching needs to know, um, this is like cigarettes. When I'm old enough, 65 years old. So when I was a kid in the 1950s and 60s, you could smell smoke. When, you, when I visited relatives and, and we, um, we were aware of smoke because you could see it, you could smell it. And uh, people were addicted to it. It, it. it wasn't a communication technology. It was a habit that people had, and it had certain physiological changes that it produced. Anyway, we all know about that. And what we know is the tobacco companies didn't tell us the truth. Um, the government ended up spending a lot of money uh, treating people through the Veterans Administration and through Medicare and Medicaid and, and all of this um, to clean up the mess. And now you can't smoke in public places in any state in the union and, and most local jurisdictions. You can overseas, but, but still people are judicious about it. They know about it. Today, we have baby monitors. We have cell phones right in our, in our environments. We have um, streaming devices um, in our entertainment centers. We have tablets. We have smartphones. How many people who are watching who are we call themselves millennials, millennials who are less than 35 years old, use a computer anymore. You're all doing everything on your, on your smartphone and your tablet. Mm. And it's all wireless. None, none of it's hardware. So the problem is radio frequencies, uh, electric fields, magnetic fields, they're all invisible, silent, and odorless. You don't know that they're there. And if you're lucky, you'll feel the effects but two-thirds of the population doesn't. There are researchers in Europe who estimate that one, that 100%, no, well, Martin Blank even said this, 100% of the cells are affected. The researchers estimate that two-thirds of the population can repair the damage that night when they sleep. One-third cannot. So what that means is that um, one-third of the population has symptoms right now, before we even get into 5G, from 4G. LTE and 4G is just the name of a, of a technology that includes many different frequencies that we can measure now and, and that we have all around us. And we bring these devices into our home. The average home has multiple wireless devices. And if you could see the radio frequencies like you can see uh, cigarette smoke, you'd know that they're there. So what you can do is you can get meters. Now, this is a professional meter that we use. It's a the uh, Gigahertz Solutions HF59B, and I have um, an attenuator here. I'm going to show you why I have that on here in just a minute. But you can also get uh, one of these. So this is an uh, Acousticom 2, and 
you may be able to hear that, but I don't have very many EMS here, radio frequencies. That's why the LED is very low. This is about $180, dollars $180. This is the little brother of the acoustometer. And then this is the safe and sound radio frequency meter from Safe Living Technologies in Canada, uh, www.slt.co. And this is $149. And it doesn't have a display. Neither of them do. They both have LEDs. Um, and this is uh, available through LessEMF, lessemf.com, L-E-S-S-E-M-F.com. These are great. Both of these are great. Uh, the Safe Living Technologies company is coming out with another model of, with a display for about $350 um, next month in March of 2019. But the one thing that these two have in common and they, is they have sound. I don't know if you can hear that, but they have sound. You can actually hear what the radio frequency um, signal sounds like. If it's a router, it sounds like a helicopter. If it's Bluetooth or a cordless telephone, it has a steady hum. If it's a cell tower, you'll hear a high-pitched sound, a squeal outside and coming in through your window. If you're testing your, um, your, your cell phone or a laptop, then, um, and mine's in airplane mode at the moment, um, you'll hear a crackling. So that's exactly what I want to show you. I'm going to turn this on. And this is a meter that actually has the ability to show, uh, I'm gonna put this in peak hold mode and I'm gonna clear it and get it down as low as possible. And I'm gonna take my phone here and I'm gonna take it out of airplane mode. And I want you to listen. These things are going wild here, they're, they're crackling. So this is actually low. This is 50,000 microwatts per meter squared. Now, these things are going nuts, if you can hear that. And my phone hasn't stopped checking in to the Verizon cell tower down the street. It's still transmitting. You hear that? This is the noisiest one. You guys hear that? This is what's happening to your brain when you're using this, okay? And again, all right, now that just jumped up to 100,000 microwatts per meter squared. 100,000 microwatts per meter squared is 100 times what we consider to be, and I have it on peak hold, so it's 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 holding the last number that it held. I'm going to put this back in airplane mode. Um, so now that doesn't happen all the time. There are times when your 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 phone is sitting there uh, and it's not transmitting like that, but it transmits like that often. It's intermittent. Cell phones are intermittent. Laptops are intermittent. Routers are continuous. Cordless phone base units are continuous. Even when you hang up the call and put the phone back on the cradle, the base unit, 
the unit that has the cord that goes to the jack in the wall, continuous. And you do not want to have one of those in your bedroom, the base unit. The extension handset, that's different. Um, that it doesn't transmit when you're not on the call. But when you're on the call, it's very strong. It's no, no less than a cell phone. So I don't recommend it. Um, so what we say, what I say to my clients is, you're going to thank yourselves for listening to that guy, me, in 2018, 2019, five to 10 years from now, when you get a call from your friends saying, my son was just diagnosed with a brain tumor. That's what your friend's going to say to you. They may say it now because it's happening. These brain tumors are developing. The, um, the British government has found an increase, a steady increase in malignant tumors on the side of the head where people hold their cell phone over the last 20 years. But benign tumors have been on the decline by the same amount over the same time span. So they average them each other out. And so what gets reported in the news is not an increase in brain tumors on the side of the head that people use their cell phone, but, no, but an unchanged cancer rate in, the, in head tumors in England in the last 20 years because, because they're, they're not showing the whole data. You see, this is how this happens. We would say to those people who are symptomatic, and some of you are, and that's the bulk of the clients who call me up and my colleagues around the country and around the world, because there are people who are building biologists in all countries around, the, or most countries around the world, quite a few in Europe, quite a few in Australia, New Zealand. Um, I believe there are some in, in uh, other countries in Asia, uh, in, up in Asia, Japan, Korea, China, I don't know for sure, um, but uh, we're available you know, by uh, phone and by Skype and, and email. But the point is, um, and there's a lot of information on my website and other websites that you can go to to learn about this. We generally recommend that for those of you who are not symptomatic, think about it. Generally speaking, we recommend that you reduce use, increase distance, and favor hardwired connections. Learn how to hardwire your house. If you plug an Ethernet cable into a, a, a computer, either a laptop or a desktop, that doesn't shut off the Wi-Fi, and then you plug it into your, your router, you have to manually turn off the Wi-Fi in both cases. The Bluetooth. I had a gentleman who called me up this afternoon here in Los Angeles, and he had a, a meter similar to this, and he was saying it's high and around his computer, and I said, well, can you turn off the, the Bluetooth? He said, well, um, okay, why do I need to do that? And I said, well, just, just do that. Go up to the Apple and, and go to System Preferences and then go to Bluetooth, and I said, is it on or off? It's on. Well, don't turn it off if you have a cordless mouse because you'll lose control of your computer. He said, no, I have a corded mouse. And he said, okay, then you don't even need the Bluetooth. And he shut it off and he said his meter went down to, to green. And so he was happy. And he, he didn't know that that was produced, that his computer was just push, producing these frequencies right into his body, um, sitting there at the computer. Um, and then you can hardwire your, your computer even with, um, I happen to have an, an Android phone, so I don't have an Apple um, iMac, excuse me, iPhone or iPad, but we have adapters, and where is it? Right here. You can use one of these. This is a lightning, take this cover off. This is a lightning plug, and it goes into the lightning port of an iPhone or iPad. And this at the other end is an Ethernet port. And then you can get one of these. We recommend getting a grounded Ethernet cable with the metal clips on the two ends here, Cat6, uh, and that would go into here. 
And then this can go into your router or into a network adapter. What is a network adapter? You get two of these in the box. All right, they have, they plug into an outlet. This is from North America. And then they have an ethernet port on the bottom. So they're, they're, they're made all over the world. You get two of them in a box and you plug one of these and make sure you don't get one, a set that has Wi-Fi in one of these, if you don't want that. That's what we're advocating. And you plug this into the room that has the router and then plug, and it comes with two ethernet cables. So plug one, plug one of those ethernet cables into this and into the router. And then the other one you can put into a room that has where you want to sit and uh, plug uh, the other, the uh, ethernet cable into this. And the other end of the ethernet cable is on the um, ethernet to lightning adapter. Now we also have, if I can find them here, uh, here is a USB to ethernet adapter yes. for those, uh, Computers that have that, and you have a PC version and a Mac version. Uh, you also have Thunderbolt to Ethernet adapters, which I don't have. And here's the newest one, the newest MacBooks. They have this USB-C uh, port. Well, we have a USB-C to Ethernet adapter. And um, then you can turn the Wi-Fi. You have to turn the Wi-Fi off on your, put it in airplane mode. And then you're on the internet. No smoke. And you can do anything you can do on the um, iPad or iPhone. This doesn't work for Android, I'm sorry. But you can do any, everything you can with Wi-Fi in a hardwired mode and no smoke, no EMFs, no radio frequencies coming into your body from the device. The only thing is there'll be a high electric field. And I haven't mentioned that yet. But in order to take care of that, at least in North America, you can get this uh, because you need, um, this is the kind of plug that comes with it. This is an ethernet grounding adapter kit. <laughs> and this has a short ethernet cable right here. And this goes, this is what would actually go into the network adapter. So you plug this little one in here or into the router. And then it goes into an, um, a coupler here that has a, a socket at both ends for an ethernet cable. Here we go. It's just, all right. And this goes in here. And then you must put a shielded, with the metal clips, shielded Ethernet cable into that. And then the, this cord is soldered to the metal case here. And it's a ground cord. And it goes to the ground prong right here. And the new ones come with two blades. They're dummies. They don't attach to anything because there's no wire attached to them. And you plug this into the wall and it grounds the whole cable, including the iPhone that's in your hand that you're connecting this to. All right. So this is true for a laptop, an iPhone, or an iPad. Those three things. Because otherwise, you'll have high electric fields. Now, let me, I know I only have a few more minutes left, but here's another thing that people need to know about. Nobody talks about this outside of the building biology profession with the exception of a handful of, of people. Um, magnetic fields and electric fields are present in homes. You really need to get a, a meter, the tri-field uh, combination meter, the TF2 is what I recommend. The Coronet is another combination meter. You can buy these from lessemf.com. Um, they're, they're excellent. Uh, 
I have an article on my website, EMF meters and instruments, and you can read about this. But basically, you want to measure the magnetic fields where you sit, sleep, and stand. Where you sit, sleep, and stand. So where you sleep at night, measure the magnetic fields. And, and you want to be below one milligauss, one MGs, or 0.1 uh, nanotesla on the cornet. The cornet is a single axis meter, so you have to measure X, Y, and Z, or X, Z, and Y, uh, and then see which orientation gives you the highest number, and then hold it in that orientation, and then move around. With the tri-field TF2, um, it's a three-axis meter. It doesn't matter which way you hold it, you'll get the same number on the screen. And they're very accurate. Uh, and so you want to be below one MGs, one milligauss, where you sit, sleep, and stand. You could hold that a foot or so away, a foot or so away from a switch, a light switch, and a foot above, and then turn the light switch on. And if the meter doesn't go up, you're good. If it does, you have a wiring error. And you can read about that on my website in the magnetic field section. Um, go to articles on EMFs, read the introduction to EMFs, then read the separate articles on electric fields or magnetic fields, electric fields, radio frequencies, and dirty electricity. Um, if you have wiring errors, you need an electrician to fix that for you. And we have, um, we can guide them on that. Uh, building biologists are trained how to guide electricians on that. You can have um, current on water pipes. And I don't, you know, wherever you are in the world, this can happen. Current always comes into the house on the hot wires, usually two hot wires in, in North America. Um, and it's similar in other parts of the world. Um, wiring errors, by the way, are not common in, in Australia or France or much of Europe because they use uh, ground fault interrupter um, breakers or ARC, ARC fault breakers. They're known by a different name in Australia, but so, um, so, People should check to see if there are magnetic fields. Now, if there's magnetic fields coming from power lines, then um, there's nothing we can do about that. And you know that because you, you'll get the same number, John, uh, and everyone on, on your Gauss meter everywhere in the room. It's the high, low, left, right, front, back. You get the same number in the whole room. And if you go outside the room to another room or even outside the house or apartment, on your balcony or in the backyard or front yard, and it just keeps getting higher, even if there are no power lines, they could be underground. And that's what it is, and you have to move. If, that's the, if, it's, more than, if it's more than one or two milligauss, you really should consider relocating. And it's going to be higher in the evening when everyone comes home and turns on all their devices, their appliances, and then it's lowest at night. Uh, and then it's higher in the summertime, you know, whenever time of the year that is for you, when everyone's using air conditioning because electricity is what generates these magnetic fields. And that's because the loads are unbalanced on the power lines. But the other thing is electric fields, they can, they're the unknown EMF and they can be present where you sleep if you have plastic wiring. And I showed you the plastic wiring in the beginning of the uh, talk. Um, and you can shut off the breakers for the bedroom and, you, and, and at least unplug things or get a, a plug-in switch at the wall and I know some countries have switches at the outlets, and um, don't have any live wires within six to eight feet of your bed. And also make sure that your power supply to your computer is grounded, not ungrounded. And, and so those are, those are the takeaways for electric fields for you. Now, okay. 
there's a question from face, one of our Facebook viewers, uh, Marion Lillen has asked, what about CT scanners? Um, do they produce much EMF? Actually, uh, CT scanners don't. They produce radio, uh, excuse me, x-rays. They're, they're actually lower, I believe. Um, someone who, who knows better can, can correct me, but, but uh, it's called commuter, computerized techno, uh, uh, tomography, CT or computerized axial tomography, CAT scan. And it's a slice of the tissues to help differentiate the soft tissue. Um, the magnetic resonance imaging, the MRI, that uses a very strong magnetic field. Um, and so, you know, not, not the healthiest thing, but if you need it to rule out a tumor or, or, you know, if the doctors need it, you know, just take some Arnica Montana before you go in and when you come out, a homeopathic remedy. And, and um, but no, CT scans are, are x-rays. They're, they're not EMS. The MRIs are the, are the magnetic field. Okay. Um, Sylvie Savick has asked, how do you go wife, why, uh, how do you go wireless free when you have two computers, two Xboxes, must be teenagers, and a smart TV spread out over a two-story house? There must be some challenging situations out there. Well, we, we run into this all the time, Sylvia and, and John uh, and everyone. Um, so I encourage my clients to uh, hire an, an audiovisual technology person or contractor, low-voltage contractor, we call them, to put Ethernet cables into the walls. This is the best. And when you, if you're remodeling or building a new house, we recommend this and people pay for it. Um, and there, were, there was a time for about 10, 15 years when that was pretty routine around the world and may still be in other parts of the world. Not here. They, they, they're not doing that anymore because everyone's going wireless. <clears throat> and, um, uh, but if you have an attic or a crawl space or a basement um, or they can run it um, through closets or on the, around the baseboards, or on, in, up above the uh, above your windows outside under the soffits, going from room to room. This is the best way. The the next best way is to use these network adapters. And I showed them to you earlier. You can get as many as you need. Just make sure you don't get a network adapter that has Wi-Fi in in one of them, as I mentioned. And what you can do is you can you can um, plug one of them in in the room that has the router, and then you can have as many of them around the house as you need and then just run an ethernet cable to your uh, PlayStation, to your TV set, and then try and turn the Wi-Fi off on these devices. Now you can't always do that with a smart TV. Sony is the only brand where you can turn the Wi-Fi off when you hook up the ethernet cable. Um, uh, the, the, and there is a setting on the Sony smart TVs to disable the Wi-Fi on the TV. Um, with Roku, you can disable the Wi-Fi. If you, when you plug in an Ethernet cable to the Ethernet jack on the back of a Roku device, it will shut off the Wi-Fi in about two, three minutes. But then they have Wi-Fi Connect, which is a separate transmitter, and you need the infrared um, remote control, which you can buy from Roku, to turn that off. These are, there's so many tricks to this, um, but, but you can do this. Uh, by uh, setting up an, uh, a hardwired network throughout the house. What's important is not what's happening in the next room over. What's important is what ha what is happening with the devices that are in your hand because, or in your lap or right in front of you or on the bedside table or on the kitchen counter. 
baby monitors. You know, it's, it's bad enough to have the baby monitor right next to the crib, but then mom has the other monitor next to her bed and she's getting blasted from that thing wirelessly transmitting all through the night and it's all invisible. It's all silent, odorless, you don't know what's there. And you need a meter, one of these meters makes the invisible visible and the inaudible audible. So you know what's there and then you can compare the numbers that you see on these devices to the building biology evaluation guidelines. And if you go on my website, createhealthyhomes.com and you scroll down to the 10th link down on the left, it says building biology evaluation guidelines. And you click on that and then you see, you read the paragraphs, and you click on the last paragraph where it says to see the actual uh, table or, or what see the guidelines, click here. And then you get a four page document written by the German building biologist and translated into English by a Canadian, a German Canadian lady in Vancouver. And, um, and, and, and you can see what the guidelines are. This is what the German building biology profession has developed over the decades. And they keep refining this and updating it. There are four columns. There's extreme anomaly or extreme concern for the biology of the sleeping person. This is for sleeping areas, severe, slight, and no concern. And what you do is you scroll down um, and you have four categories, electric fields, magnetic fields, and radio frequencies. We want to get our clients out of the severe and extreme columns and into the slight and no columns for all of these categories. So that is something that you can uh, actually um, – uh, uh, some very good comments from Carlos D. and, and there are. I'm going to fire them to you. <laughs> and there's um, others too, like Billy's asked a good question as well. Um, uh, plants don't really absorb radio frequencies, Carlos, uh, to any significant. Well, I wouldn't use them as your sole way of protecting yourself. Um, and cell phones do uh, the, the, the radio the strength of the radio frequency signal does drop off with distance. This is true what you are saying. I want to squeeze in a burning question about 5G. It's a hot topic at the moment. But if we can oh, 5G. Okay. I'm happy to expound about 5G. So what everyone needs to understand is that 5G is a name for the, the next version of a whole umbrella of technologies for wireless communication, not just with cell phones, but with we're, we're entering into the era of the IoT or the Internet of Things. So 40 or 50 years ago, we had first generation. It was uh, basically voice, wireless voice with a brick, you know, great big um, cell phone. Text came along with version 2, 2G, which was 10 years later, the second decade. Then the third decade with 3G, was that was the first time that we had cellular data. where You could actually go online through your, your phone. Uh, fourth, fourth generation was the fourth decade, which we're just ending, and that is enhanced 3G, and LTE is enhanced 4G. I don't even know what LTE stands for, but, but LTE is, is, is a enhanced 4G. And so what we have evolved to is a point where we have very fast communication, but many people are shifting their activities from fixed, um, well, 
from uh, the use of their computers in their homes or wireless networks, Wi-Fi networks in the home using their portable handheld device, their uh, smartphone and tablets, or their laptop or desktop uh, connected wirelessly to Wi-Fi in the house. And uh, smartphones and uh, tablets will always default to a Wi-Fi network given the choice. The other choice would be going to the cellular uh, data connection to the tower, the macro tower um, down the street. Because so many people have shifted their habits from the from computers in the house to their portable devices, um, and they're doing that when they're away from the home to a great degree, or if they visit someone and don't have the Wi-Fi password. The and and because of the explosion of the use of of um, programs that have videos and photos in them like Snapchat and Instagram, and the fact that your playlist for your music and your videos is not even on your hard drive of your device anymore in your pocket, it's on in the cloud. It's on servers somewhere. And so you're, when you listen to music, you're not listening from the hard drive, you're streaming from the cloud. And they, you know, that's, that's encouraged by these companies. So because of this, there's this, this, this hockey stick of use of, of data and so the whole, um, there's a problem. We're running out of bandwidth in, in the networks that we have, the wireless networks, the data networks. It's not voice or text, it's data. So we have 300,000, I'll use the US as an example because that's what I know most. 300,000 uh, macro cell towers that are using 4G LTE technology, using sig uh, uh, signals in the, um, uh, the uh, 700, 800, 900 uh, megabits uh, or megahertz uh, range or, or frequency, 1800, 1900, 2100, 2500. These are the ranges that are used in 4G and uh, T-Mobile just bought 600 megahertz. And the thing is at, at these frequencies, um, the wavelength is longer. It's about a foot. It's about 13, 12, 13 inches at 900 megahertz. That easily penetrates through buildings and through building materials, but it's not as fast as um, 2.4 gigahertz, which is 2400 megahertz, which is the, so when you have Wi-Fi and you have uh, 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz or 5.8 gigahertz, which everyone confuses with five gen fifth generation, it's not the same. So the, the faster you go, the quicker the download speed, but the shorter wavelength. And the wavelength of signal that are in the uh, 2.4 gigahertz, which is 2,400 megahertz, which is not a, a cell phone frequency. It's a frequency that they use with cordless phones inside the house and with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. 2.4 gigahertz has a wavelength that's five inches. Instead of 13 inches for 900 megahertz for cell phones and smart meters, it's five inches for 2.4 gigahertz. For 5.8 gigahertz, it's a quarter of an inch or half an inch. And now we're getting into millimeters. And so as you go up into the 20 gigahertz, 25, 28 gigahertz, 39 gigahertz. Okay, so um, when you get up into the higher frequencies above 20 gigahertz, then you're talking about wavelengths that are only a quarter of an inch, even less than that, three to five millimeters, 10 millimeters. And these are, this is called the millimeter band. And these frequencies do not penetrate building materials well at all. They don't go through wood walls. They don't go through brick. You don't need 
um, fancy, expensive shielding paint or fabric or, or mesh material to block the signals that are above 20 gigahertz. And the proof of that is a satellite dish is used to get a set very weak when by the time it gets to Earth from 22,000 miles up in space where the satellites are parked in geostationary orbit. They have to be 22,000 miles above the equator so that they stay over the same spot on Earth. And when that signal gets to, to the ground, you have a dish that's anywhere from a foot to, to, to three feet or, or a meter wide. And it, it's a parabolic dish that takes out those very weak frequencies that are coming in straight and focuses them to a point on the arm that's the receiver that's above the uh, dish. The thing is, those signals are up in the gigahertz range, uh, the 28, uh, 39 gigahertz range, 60 gigahertz range that everyone's really uh, worried about with 5G technology. We've been using 5G, um, or I should say millimeter, 20 gigahertz and above frequencies for decades for military, for radar, for aviation, for your satellite TV which is a two-way communication between the satellite to you, to the ground receiving dish on your house, and back up to the satellite. And you cannot put that dish into an attic. You cannot put it um, underneath an awning or, or an eave or, a, or, or trees. You need a clear a shot, clear view of the sky because the, the wavelengths are so uh, short that they do not get through the plywood and asphalt shingles on your roof. So the same thing is going to be true from these um, 5G antennas. Now, it's not going to be uh, healthy at all when you're outside. Um, but indoors, at least for those who are concerned about this, there's a part of 5G that people don't realize that you have control over. A lot of people bring devices into their home that are harming them now with 4G and LTE technology that's not harmless and that's not going away. 5G is going to be built on 4G and it's built on fiber, fiber optics for the backbone of the, of the network. What's going to happen with the fifth generation of technology is they're going to fill in the gaps, especially in dense urban areas where people are, especially in, in sports stadiums and, and, and busy downtown um, uh, areas and, and, and subway stops and places and office buildings and places where a lot of people gather. This is where you're going to have the first um, deployment of 5G uh, small cell antennas close to people. And in fact, um, uh, it's already happening in many places in Asia. Asia is well ahead of, of the US and North America and Europe right now in 5G um, deployment. So um, if you live in an urban environment, um, and you're electrically sensitive, you're going to have difficulty when you go outside and, and go in an urban environment, okay? And there is some of the fabric, there's fabric on your development that, that will protect you to some degree from these 5G, uh, these millimeter tech, um, frequencies, but we have fabric now that can protect you well from 4G technologies and frequencies that are below 20 gigahertz, that are below six gigahertz. Remember, you've got to always remember this. 5G is going to include frequencies above 20 gigahertz and below 6 gigahertz. All right? All the 4G tech, uh, frequencies that we have now, they're not going away. In fact, there'll be more of them. 
they're going to pack more cell phone connections in the same airspace at the frequencies we use now. Um, that's one of the changes that's coming to use the existing 4G technology. That's going to be part of 5G. But then also, you're going to bring 5G uh, devices into your house with your router. Uh, how many people have smart speakers? Um, you know, Alexa and Google Home and, and, and that sort of thing. These things do put out radio frequencies all the time, just like any router, just like, um, you know, Bluetooth. And so be aware that these things will have these super fast 5G technologies put in them. So if you're, if you're concerned about this and you don't want, and you're electrically sensitive, just don't put these devices, don't bring them into your home in the first place. I'm, I'm not trying to say um, anything bad about these companies. I'm not trying to uh, take their business away from them. I'm just saying, uh, get a meter, get a radio frequency detector, measure these things for yourself, and you decide how many cigarettes you want to smoke on a daily basis. That's what you have to do when you're talking about this technology. Does that make sense? It does, it does. So 5G is, is, is going to be spotty at first. It's not going to be everywhere. It's going to take a while to become, um, actually, some people say it's going to be years, maybe de decades before it's widespread. Most phones, even five to 10 years from now, will still default, default to 4G frequencies most of the time. Um, 5G is only going to be there as a backup and, and to help fill in the gaps so you don't lose coverage as well. Or, or as you move around now. Uh, but there will be more transmitters um, in neighborhoods. One thing that I did learn is that the small cell antennas that will be going up in front of, you know, every two to 10 homes in, in suburban neighborhoods, um, they only transmit the millimeter band frequency connection when um, a, a phone initiates a connection. And this is, this is assuming that there's someone in the neighborhood who is on the, uh, with that company and is not already connected to the Wi-Fi in their own home. If they're connected to Wi-Fi, they're not going to be pulling the signal from the small cell. And even if they did, if someone visited that person and had their phone, you know, and they didn't have the Wi-Fi password and they wanted to look something up and, and so they, they sent out a signal and, and the, the, the small cell antenna in front of that house or in front of your house and you're a neighbor of this guy, is closer than the macro tower that's, that's a mile away, then he's going to connect to that small cell antenna and it will initiate a focused, they call it beam casting. And there'll be a focused beam casted um, array that comes from that um, transmitter into that house, not yours. It's a narrow beam. That's not going to make it over to your house. And, and then when he leaves or when he turns, you know, stops, uh, checking whatever, whatever he was looking up on his phone, then the signal stops. And, it, and the thing is, these small cells do not sweep. They do not sweep the neighborhood with signals looking for, for users' phones like the macro towers do. This is the misconception that some people have. They have meters. They have RF radio frequency meters. And they go, you know, into a, a – um, uh, they go shopping or they go – somewhere and they can see a cell tower in the distance and they turn on their meter and they're hearing a very high-pitched squeal and they see high numbers and it goes up in the red and it's, it's constant, 24-7. That's what macro towers do with 4G LTE technology today. 
We've had that for a couple of decades, even with 3G and, and now 4G. That's not going to go away. The 5G um, small cell antennas that will transmit the millimeter bands in five, with fifth, fifth generation in front of your house will not do that because they want to conserve electricity to conserve costs. They're only going to send out a signal in a very narrow one when someone initiates the connection. However, some of these small cells will be sending out 4G LTE signals in the lower frequencies, and that will be always on, I believe, and closer to your house. That's going to be the biggest danger, even though it's not the, the millimeter band above 20, 20 gigahertz. It's going to be in the lower band, but that's part of the fifth generation technology that's coming out. So in that respect, this umbrella term that we use for 5G will mean more harm because that will go through your wall. Um, so, but we can shield against that. And as I said, um, the paint, the Y-Shield paint, which is carbon, a carbon-based um, primer, and uh, the other paints that are available, the Coopertect, Coopercoat. Coopertect is a mesh. Coopercoat is a copper paint. And the uh, AirPure, which is a nickel-based paint, these are all available from SCMF. Safe Living Technologies, which is www.slt.co, and then www.lessemf.com. That's where you can go to buy these products. And there are other uh, people who sell these all over the world. They're not the only two. Um, and you can put these paints, and we believe that these paints will be effective for these frequencies above 20 gigahertz. Um, so we don't know about the fabric, but we do know about the paint, and, and also aluminum shielding. Uh, so you can protect yourself, but don't don't use your phone in the house. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you put those paints on the wall, and you use your cell phone inside the house, the phone will put out more energy to push to try and push through the, the shielding you just put up. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's got to make. It's got to talk with the tower if there's any shielding. These. Yeah. Exactly. Shots, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's all very complicated. Uh, um. So, what other questions? Well, I think that's pretty much all the questions. Um, oh gosh, I just got to. All right. I think that's pretty much it. Well, thank you so much, Oren, for your for your time. It's been tremendous. You've explained the dangers of EMF. You've talked. Thank you. About You've talked about the effects and you've talked about the cure or ways that we can avoid EMF. So it's been tremendous. Wonderful. We have had a few technical problems, but we kind of overcame them. So thank you very much for coming to our show. You're very welcome, uh, John. I, I appreciate the ability to, to speak to you and to your audience. And, and thank you to Nick Zhao for inviting me in the first place and, and for uh, helping to organize all of this. So thanks both to both of you gentlemen. Uh, this is a, a very important topic, and I appreciate the opportunity to share the knowledge from the building biology profession. By the way, the website for the profession is www.hbelc.org. That's the uh, building biology website, Healthy Building Environmental Learning Center.org, but it's abbreviated hbelc.org. And the website for the German building biology profession, and they have an, an English website. And German website is uh, buildingbiology.com, I believe. They have that website in Germany. So thank you again for the invitation, gentlemen. I appreciate it very much.
You take care. Maybe we can do it another time with a better instant connection. Okay. Thank you for inviting me. Because I still have a few things I'd like to know, and I'm sure our viewers do as well. Okay, you have a great evening. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye-bye.